Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend and partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we are Ronless this morning, and uh, but this, boy, but I, this I, time it's my fault, not Ron's. Like Ron actually isn't doing anything exciting. It's just that I'm going to be traveling on our normal uh, our normal recording schedule, so we had to work around yeah. it. So, it dude, it's, it's not a, it's Retreat a, Man striking again. It's an odd role reversal, isn't it? Like Retreat Man is at home, probably feeling glum and forlorn, and uh, and you're out on the road living the life that he should be living. Um, yeah, it's the, really strange. The, the difference between Ron and me is that I think I prefer being at home, and he prefers yeah. being at a high place in absolutely somewhere in Middle America or Jupiter, dude. We Florida. gotta we gotta get our boy on the road again, man. He needs he needs to be traveling. He does better radio when he's on the road. Yeah, we. So. I think we had one episode in the last few weeks where he had just come back from a trip, maybe like that morning, and he was still kind of riding high. But there's yeah, been a, there's been yeah. a fair amount of like glum Ron. I know, man. I, I don't like Glumron. We got to get him uh, back out on the road, away from some of the pressures that are that are mounting in Ashland. You know, and and again, that's not news that we can break just yet on the program, Piper. But there there are some things happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, Ashland as a metro area is just changing. You know, uh, and this happens. Cities change. You know, the the tapestry of a place changes, and uh, I feel like our boy is going to have some some things to deal with there soon, but. Uh, yeah, some, some large personalities moving to town, which, you know, they're, <laughs> it's it's a classic like this town ain't big enough for the both of us situation. And, uh, oh, that's you know, right, it's going to be high yeah. noon in no time. Dude, it's going to be high noon. Kind of an OK Corral sort of, you know, vintage hipster showdown there in Ashland with both both men in their in their tight jeans kind of, uh, you know, waddling down the street yeah, at what, high noon. What does in, high noon look like when they're sort of too like pacifist hipster non-combatants <laughs> exactly they're I, I, I here's what i think it looks like i think they wander out into the middle of the street each with like um you know a carefully crafted like latte in their hands and they just sort of go well you know i, I mean maybe uh they just sort of stammer around at one another for a few <laughs> minutes and then and then wander back into wherever it is that they came from that's high noon for a hipster <laughs> And you then know? they mutter insults about how the other the other guy look looks like he might listen to Coldplay or something. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a hipster showdown is like all nuance and no go. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Nobody actually makes a point. They just sort of nobody make makes a point. Vague cultural references to things exactly. they consider sellout. That's right. Nobody makes a statement of any kind. It's just all nuance and no go. But uh, it sounds but a lot our, like our, some churches I've uh, I've attended in the past. Nobody actually makes any definitive statements. There's just a lot of vague references to pseudo biblical things. Well, that's the world we live in. I mean, it's it's hard to make a definitive statement anymore, Piper, in this world without being uh, without being labeled just um, you know a, a horrible person. But uh, far be it from us to. To get glum about that, we do have some actual big personalities to talk about on the program today. So uh, I look forward to getting into that with you. I know that uh, you saw a movie last night that I'm eager to talk about with you. But before we do that, um, I want to talk about venues and I want to talk about spaces. And I'm confident that this week's sponsor could, you know, if if you needed it, they could recreate like a high noon at the OK Corral scenario because that's how good these venues are. Uh, so, Pipe, tell us about our sponsor this week. 
Our sponsor is Noah Event Venue. So it's it's I don't think it's actually Noah's event venue because that implies like somebody named Noah owns it. It's just Noah is the name of the company. So Noah yeah, Event so Venue. I've been saying that wrong for months now. Yeah, I, I think I've said it wrong and right, sort of alternating. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it's my truth, so I get to I get to, if, if it works for me, it works for me. Um, yeah. So Noah Event Venue is a company that they own. They own buildings and venues across the country where they, they lease them out to people who need them for, I mean, anything from like weddings and stuff like that, but also to churches who can use them on a weekly basis. So you can, you know, you can set up a long-term lease. They have meeting spaces, classroom spaces, kitchen spaces, parking, all the things that you would need for a church who is expanding or starting a new campus or uh, a recent church plant, <clears throat> any of the things that would make a church need a new venue. Um, if you're tired of meeting at, you know, the local high school and using their facility where everything kind of stinks like locker room and pseudo, you know, sort of spoiled milk, um, these <laughs> these venues are very clean and very classy and very nice. Uh, so if you're in a church in that spot, you can go to noaheventvenue.com/church to to get all the information about it. Or They're if you're in- a hipster and you're sick of your venue smelling like, um, you know, leather aprons and and espresso and uh and moss on the wall you so here's, go a, a, here's a question too. about that do you think hipsters even yeah. notice that smell or is it are they like i feel like they're sort of the the cat lady type you know have you you, you go into a house with somebody who owns like 14 cats you're like it stinks like cat piss uh, in here yeah, it's yeah. the worst right and but the you know the cat lady doesn't notice this is just her this is her aura i kind of feel yeah, like that's, that's hipsters true. with all things sort of leather and earthy and bo Dude, I agree. I, I I think you know that that smell that's kind of cloying that sticks to you after you've like you know worked in a coffee shop all afternoon. Yeah. So so back in the day when I was fully freelance, there was a there was a coffee shop by our house where I would I would often like set up shop there for the afternoon and and it was a really nice place to work. But I always had that like you know coffee smell just embedded in my clothing for the rest of the evening. And and yeah, I think if you're a hipster and and that's kind of the world you live in you just get used to it like the cat lady and um yeah i don't know i i, I think that's the cost of doing business cloying is a fantastic word by the way i i applaud oh, your thanks. use of that yeah yeah i i do like cloying and uh i try to use it whenever whenever i can um i but th- there are no cloying scents at noah event venue places unless so, you want them yeah yeah you, yeah, you, you can import your own because that's the thing yeah. is they are they're very sort of classy basic spaces that you sure. can dress up or dress down to your liking so if you want to you know bring in a little stink with you it's all you <laughs> hipster churches but uh, right. but they don't come with that there's no sort of predetermined menu of smells so you that's get to right. bring your own so again go to noahventvenue.com slash church and check that out Absolutely. Piper, great job as always. And tip of the cap to us for finally getting the name right after like six months of sponsorship from uh, from Noah Events Venues. We're uh, we're nothing if not, um, you know, catering right to the, to the, the ball, whims yeah. of our sponsors. I, I went back and checked the contract and it is written in there, you know, get the name right. And I was like, ah, we should probably honor that part of the contract. Yeah, we should. You know what? Uh, but there's grace. Uh, there's grace given and received. Um, hopefully by, by the, the good people at Noah events venues. And, um, hopefully we'll, we'll use one of those venues someday to host a huge, um, happy rant mega live event. So, or maybe just uh, start like a happy rant church. Dude, there you go. I mean, that's, that's a, probably a theologically bankrupt idea, but I mean, uh, is it, is it any worse than, uh, what was it? Church mobile 
global church or global mobile.com <laughs> yeah. you know mobile palm of your hand church global with oh, safety dude, goggles yeah. i can't remember the name of it but it that involved global and palm of about. your hand yeah 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 church global it was very early 2000s and i i loved it for that but uh piper we we need to talk about a movie that you and i just viewed and uh we didn't view it together i viewed it a couple of weeks ago and you saw it last night but uh the movie is a star is born starring bradley cooper and Lady Gaga, I talked about it briefly on one of our recent episodes, um, and you finally saw it. So I want to do a deep dive into this, but I have to tell you, last night when you texted that you had seen it and you were blown away by it, um, I was in the middle of watching the oldest *Stars Born*, uh, the one with Chris Christopherson and Babs Barbara Streisand. Um, very cool movie. We can kind of do some compare and contrast, but I want to get your initial impressions of. The Bradley Cooper version, man. You were blown away by it, and I want to know why. Why? Well, so I went into it, you know, I expected it to be enjoyable. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really have a sense of the, the sort of the gravity of it. I didn't, mm-hmm. we should probably also say up front, if you haven't seen the movie and you intend to, we're not going to avoid spoilers. There are all sorts Correct. of spoiler alerts in this Correct. one. So um, fair warning, we'll probably ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I just, I expected it to be more of a movie about music or, you know, kind of about, you know, music romance, just sort of the, the themes that are easy to put your finger on. Sure. And I didn't expect it to be such a movie about, um, like artistry and identity and Mm. kind of the hollowness of, of the search for those things and how different people come at them. I thought the relationship between Bradley Cooper and Sam Elliott as his older brother was, Mm. was kind of the, maybe the underrated thread of the movie. I agree. Yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it was, they just did a brilliant job of it being very clear that they loved each other. They hated each other. They were jealous of each other. Yep. They, you know, there was, and it wasn't ever totally resolved, but it was, I mean, as as was almost nothing in the movie, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I just it, I was completely caught off guard by the the layers of quality and depth to the to the story, the acting, the performances, and just the music. Like I thought the music would be fine. It's got Lady Gaga on yeah. it, and she's clearly talented. But yeah. who knew that Bradley Cooper can actually sing? Right. And and then the songs themselves were like, oh, this is better than what people play on the radio right now. Which I guess that's damning with faint praise, but it was excellent. No, you're right, man. You're absolutely right. And I, I can't agree enough. And to me, like watching, watching that movie through kind of a Christian lens, I couldn't help but be struck with, you know, all the, all the themes, all the, you know, the things that we, you know, observe and deal with as, you know, creative people who are also Christians. Like that movie to me was sort of a, an extrapolation of what, jealousy looks like if you don't check it or an extrapolation of what you know greed looks like and even even the unfulfilling nature pipe of artistic integrity and so artistic people tend to cling to that as like you know that for some people that can be the ultimate you know goal like i've maintained my my integrity you know i haven't compromised the art but at the end of the day like even that wasn't fulfilling not even close right so all these things that the world kind of celebrates as fulfilling, you know, the purity of love, artistic pursuit. Um, I think the movie did a pretty masterful job of of deconstructing all those things as an end goal. 
And um, yeah, like I, I saw it two weeks ago and I really haven't stopped thinking about it, you know, because I think it was so challenging. It was a yeah. movie that I wish I had seen when I was 22, you know, and just getting started as a writer and, you know, being greedy, being jealous, like all these things that have caused me so much misery over the years. Um, I think it would have been really helpful to see a movie like that at that age. Yeah, it, I, I love what you uh, the point you just made about sort of how – they, they they didn't juxtapose two things against each other in terms of like this is the wrong way and this is the right way. Like yeah. I, I I posted on uh, on social media just that I love the movie and I thought it was the best movie I've seen this year. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, a bunch of people agreed, and one guy just he he just sort of jumped in to engage conversationally, so it wasn't aggressive, but he just said I couldn't tell what they were saying about. You know, when Lady Gaga's character goes from sort of the artistic mm-hmm. singer songwriter, soulful person to yeah. a pop star, and he's yeah. like, I couldn't tell if they were if they were saying that was a bad thing. Did that break mm-hmm. up the relationship? Like what? Yeah, what was happening here? And and I thought I think that's kind of the point, dude. That is the point. Yeah, because, because they weren't preaching that being a singer songwriter artist is pure and pop is bad. That's right. The only thread that went through the movie consistently was you have a voice and something to say and people need to hear it. And so it wasn't about genre or style. It was about – I think the one sort of redeeming quality they kept trying to put forth and often failing at was was honesty. Yeah, that's right. That's what I – at least that's what I was picking up on. And and so I found it fascinating that they didn't sort of paint the pop picture in terms of – this is shallow and meaningless. Correct. And yeah. then and yeah. then this sort of like folk scene is meaningful. Yeah. They looked yeah, at both and were like they they both have people trying to do art artistic things in them yeah. for better and worse. Well, and dude, isn't that so real and authentic even when we look at our own careers? Like I can definitely look at books that I've done, especially like ghostwriting projects where I go, man, in a perfect world I wouldn't have had to have done that. You know, like maybe working with the guy was miserable or maybe the book, you know, the book that got produced wasn't one that I'm the proudest of. But, um, you know, I look back and I go that bare minimum, it allowed me to feed my family for six months. Right. You know, and in that it's a good thing. So it's like the scene with Bradley Cooper where he's, you know, he's got that corporate gig. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's like, yeah, it's it's the worst gig. But, you know, I've made peace with it. And he just yeah. sort of. He's a he's a songwriter. He's an artist, but he's going to go play for like the 25th anniversary of some Fortune 500 company. And yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, I've made peace with it, and it pays. And right, and and again, that wasn't like a you weren't supposed to get the sense that he's a sellout at that point, dude. Right, it wasn't a referendum on whether you should or shouldn't do those jobs. And and honestly, watching that movie as a fully grown up person as an adult. You know, I think at age 22, I would have seen him doing that corporate gig and I would have been tempted to judge him like, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You know, you're a sellout. But, you know, as an adult, I was like, yeah, people do things like that. And, you know, your your star doesn't burn forever. So there's probably some wisdom in, you know, maximizing your earning power while the window is still open. You know, I mean, those are the kind of conversations that you have with yourself as an adult who's made you know, money creatively over the years. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a really interesting movie, I think to watch at this age. And, you know, it was a reminder pipe that 
there are still really cool movies coming out about people who aren't 22. You know what I mean? You, you, you tend <laughs> or, to think or of superheroes or superheroes. Yeah. You tend to think of, you know, entertainment as the ultimate young man's game. And in some ways it is, but you know, look at this character like this, this was a movie about a character who's like our age or even a little bit older. And, um, it was a fascinating look at kind of that mid career moment. And, you know, the implication was that Gaga's character was a little bit younger. You know, she was still living with her dad. Um, she looked a little bit younger. I don't know how old lady Gaga is in real life. Um, I think, I mean, I guess she's 30 ish, early 30s. Yeah. I mean, cause I think she burst onto the scene pretty, pretty young, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I, and they, they didn't make it clear, but I mean, it, I would have guessed that he was a decade older than, her. yeah, he, if, yeah. She, if she was, if she was like 25 in the movie, he was probably late thirties. Yeah. Something exactly. like that. Exactly. So have you seen the Streisand version? I haven't. No, dude, it's pretty fascinating. So we, because we're old and we have kids and life is exhausting right now, we watch movies in chunks. So we watched the first half of the old A Star is Born last night, and we're going to finish like late tonight, I'm sure. But um, it was really interesting. It was really 70s. There were definitely things from that version that the new version borrowed. Um, the cinematography, I have to say, was really dope for, for a mid-70s movie. Like They did a ton of those kind of gasp-inducing um, drone shots with, without drones, obviously, in the 70s. And, um, you know, it really it really delivered visually. Um, I, I think it would be interesting to compare the casting in the two movies. Like to me, mid 70s Barbara Streisand was every bit as interesting as like 2018 Lady Gaga, like right down to their features. You That's- know, they're both like unconventionally beautiful they've got some like really jarring features well yeah one of the first uh, one of the first things in the in the new version was sort of lady gaga's character what was her name Allie? yeah dealing with being unconventionally beautiful or just in her in her mind not beautiful at all you know because she's got a big nose and 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 so like there's a theme of bradley cooper's character kind of helping her recognize her talent and the fact that like you don't you don't have to fit the hollywood bill or the you know the pop star the pop star mold and that's it is you know that is interesting looking back and thinking yeah barbara streisand would absolutely fit the exact same conversations or the exact same script dude exactly and then there you go like that's that's another theme i think piper in the new movie that you know the world would the world would hold up feeling beautiful and feeling good about yourself as if not an ultimate good, then maybe close to it. Um, but again, there was another thing that wasn't ultimately satisfying for Lady Gaga's character. Right. Um, even ha- even having a Bradley Cooper, you know, affirm you almost constantly about your beauty, even having an industry affirm you. Um, yeah, th- this didn't do it for her. You know, there wasn't a moment at the end of the movie where, Gaga's character was sitting contentedly in her home going, yes, I believe that I'm beautiful, (laughs) you know, uh, because I think as broken people, we never really get there. We never really believe it, which is why we need Christ. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to think of what what the message of the movie was in terms of like what was delivered, you know, what I'm not it, sure there was one, and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, you know? it, it, it seems like if you yeah, if you're going to sum up the movie, it would be more like Vanity of Vanities. 
than it would. Yeah, most definitely. Than it would like hang your hopes on this thing. So I mean, there was. I think that's part of what I loved about it was. I mean, my head is already in the space of kind of dwelling on happiness and expectations and things like that because yeah. that's yeah, it's a writing project I'm invested in right now. And yep. so looking at a movie and just my expectation going in was that there would be a this is the thing that delivers happiness. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it's whether it's a great loving relationship or stardom or beauty or or setting aside all of those things and just being content with who you are. Yeah. And none of that was in there. Yeah. Although tastes yep. of it work. Like I will say one of the one of the things that I loved most was the relationship between Gaga and Cooper was yeah. one that I mean it was contentious and it was a mess because he's a mm-hmm. drug addict alcoholic. Yeah. She is a rising pop star. They're going separate ways career-wise. Yep. And there's never an indication that either of them gives up on the other or yeah, cheats on right. the other or finds a love interest elsewhere. They mm. they they keep coming back to this fraught, messed up, yeah. terrible relationship that's also really genuine and they keep recalling how they got to where they are. And and you look yeah. at that and you go, That's that's something. So it's not yeah. I guess it's not all vanity, but it's but it also yeah. wasn't enough. Dude, that's right. And and it never will be enough, but but it is something. And yeah, again, looking at these things through the Christian lens, I mean, I think you look at that and you go, you know, that's at some level proof that we're created in God's image. You know, the fact that these two broken people like saw enough value in each other to keep working on it and to stay loyal to each other, um, you know, and, and even the fight that they had in the in that bathtub scene was yeah. so jarring. I, I don't know if it if it struck you that way, but. It definitely struck us. This was sort of the act two moment where they they kind of break from each other, you know, and they have this huge fight in which both characters like really go for the emotional jugular. Of yeah, the I other. Mean, it was it was you know? brutal. It but was a, brutal. Yeah. But not a, yeah. But not like a throwing screaming things way, but just like the words they said were so savage. Yeah, they were so savage. And it struck me, uh, man, I don't know. By By God's grace, I've never been you know, in that moment with my spouse where I'm ready to like go for the jugular like that and and vice versa for her. But, you know, I can't imagine ever speaking to her in that way. But even, even in spite of that, like they, like they came back, you know, they came back to each other, they tried it again. And yeah, that's something that I think walking away from the movie, you can go, you know, that's, that's edifying or that's, interesting and, and and i would like to have that kind of resolve you but, know but even that like you see you, you remember the scene after that where he shows up at the dance studio to kind of he comes back off the road he's he's there to yeah. apologize he kind of gives a his best effort in an apology but it's like the grizzled dude version yeah you know, right. it's like man i said yeah. some things i shouldn't have said mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. and she forgives him but it's not like a fling her arms around him and everything is washed away Dude, because right. Then, it's a, then he's like, can I stay and watch? And she's like, why don't I meet you at home? And there's just sort of this yeah. like the, the yeah. damage is done. Dude, that's right. It's a very guarded, worldly, non-gospel version of forgiveness. And, and his apology was a very guarded, worldly, non-gospel version of an apology. You know, he wasn't saying, you know, look, I – I hate what I've done. I've hate the ways I've hurt you. And these are, these are those ways, you know, 
in, in the in the way that we think of you know repentance and apology going in a Christian context. Um, yeah, you didn't yeah. see that until the till he was kind of clean at the rehab center when he just broke down in that you know in that sort of yeah. like meeting area. Yeah, that's right, man. That that very like sterile kind of depressing meeting area where he yeah he really acknowledged you know I embarrassed you I I ruined your life I ruined your career and yeah that was isn't it winsome though and interesting there's so many things about this movie that were but I mean it's really interesting to see real repentance in any context you know um again as a believer I look at that and I go man that's that's compelling because it's so rare you know, it, it's so rare. It was it was in and real, out of the church. It was real brokenness. Yeah. And and you saw him you saw him change after that. But I mean that was only like fifteen minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, that's right. When, that's right. And now this is again, massive spoiler alert, where yeah. I mean the end of the movie ends with him having killed himself. Yeah. Because that's right. he all the damage he had done, all the decisions he had made, while he regretted them, while he was broken over them, he couldn't come to terms with them. Yeah, and, that's right. And he couldn't come to terms with her. And yeah. so they like the the separation between them never was totally reconciled. Yeah. And so he, he, it's like every beautiful thing in the movie is offset with something broken. Yeah. And every broken yeah. thing is softened by something beautiful, but they're right. not – there, there isn't there's definitely no happy endings in this one. Dude, definitely not. But it, it's funny, man. I tend to I tend to really be scared of movies that I know are going to be sad. And what's what's interesting is I didn't feel that way about this one. And what's interesting is I cry in almost every dramatic movie and KK doesn't. But it was a role reversal this time. Like she got really choked up at the end of A Star is Born and and I didn't. Like I was definitely moved by it and I was challenged by a whole bunch of things in the movie. But I didn't have that like opening of the floodgates emotional response. And I, I want to make the argument too, Pipe, you know, in defense of what you just said. This is a movie where I think people should know the ending going in. Like I think knowing that he's going to kill himself – will actually make for a better viewing of the movie. Like you can really enjoy and embrace and kind of enter into all the things that happen in the movie, knowing, knowing what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I think so many people, and I'm going to sound a little bit like a smug college professor right now. I, I think so many people watch a movie quote unquote for what's going to happen. And in doing so, they miss all the kind of brilliant things about the journey to get there. And I think this is definitely not a what's going to happen movie. Um, and in fact, knowing what's going to happen makes it better. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, it, I, I agree in, in the sense that it's the kind of movie you should watch twice. So if, you're yeah, wa- sure. if you watch it and you don't know what you're going to expect going in, you do the thing that you just described where you're kind of <clears> – <throat> what is the culmination of this story? And you might yeah. miss – a lot of the layers and subtlety along the way, which is why you should watch it twice. Yeah. Um, if you know the ending going in, you can in, you can kind of appreciate those things more. So it's I, I I think that either you watch it twice or you know the ending going in. But either way, you need to be able to kind of sit with a lot of the stuff that's just happening throughout the movie. Yeah, most definitely, man. Most definitely, and you and you should sit with it. Um, 
you know, one interesting question to ask Piper in this age of almost exclusively comic book movies, getting a big release and a big budget. Um, how refreshing that a movie like, like this gets made. Um, you know, where do you think this movie will ultimately end up like legacy wise? Like how important will this movie be in a few years after it's gone? Like, is this still going to be one that people talk about or is it going to have a relatively short shelf life to you? Um, I mean, does anything have a long shelf life these days? Mm, yeah. And that, I say that in more point. of like a depressed manner than anything because, <laughs> yeah, because works of great creativity are forgotten fast. And yeah. I mean, to, like, for example, I'd say Man- this, this movie and Manchester by the sea are two of the best movies I've seen in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years. Mm. Mm-hmm. Manchester by the sea came out what early 2017. Yeah. Not long ago. And it, I mean, it's, it, it almost doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's the best thing Casey Affleck has ever done. Yeah. Uh, create creative wise. And sure, sure. And it should be sort of the seminal movie of his career at this point. Yeah. But everybody's just constantly looking for what's next. So, I, I mean, my guess is most people, even as significant as a movie like this is, mm-hmm. are immediately looking for who's going to do the next A Star is Born. Yeah. Who's going to yeah. be the next actor who can direct, produce, perform the way Bradley Cooper did. Right, right. Which means we. We just the pace of life is such we don't we don't get to enjoy something for any length of time. You try it and you move on. And and so, I mean, which means that trying to define how it's going to fit in a legacy, I I don't know, give it 20 years and see if anybody remembers it, I guess. Dude, yeah, that's right. And maybe I mean, maybe that conversation in and of itself is proof of how irrelevant I am. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like in I don't know, I think. And I'd be interested to hear your take on this. Like, I think you hit a certain age and you 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 stop caring about what's next. Um, I, I really don't care about what's next. And if 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 a next thing comes out and it ends up being delightful or or interesting on some level, I'm thankful for that. You know, I, I feel a sense of ah, oh, that's that's great. That was unexpected. But yeah, I, I think I'm no longer thinking about what's next. Um, are, are you? Um, not, not in the way I once did. I mean, there would have been a time where, like in June, I would have known the Christmas release, you know, the Christmas blockbuster movies coming. Yeah, out. yeah, absolutely. you know, sort of, sort of banking on what is, what is, you know, what are the big things coming down the pipeline? And part of this, you know, we've yeah. talked about this. The blockbuster thing has kind of gone away or changed sure. shape. But yeah, a lot of it is just I, I've taken a lot more enjoyment in being surprised. Mm-hmm. Like this movie was a surprise to me. I expected to enjoy it. I was hanging out with my cousin. We decided, hey, we're free Thursday. Let's grab dinner, go to a movie, and uh, and I was floored. Yeah, which yeah. which is a way more enjoyable experience than anticipating. And dude, being I agree. Sli- being slightly let down. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and that was the experience we had with the movie too. It was very much like, um, you know, just go out on a whim and you know, we've got a free night, so let's catch this thing. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasant surprise. And, uh, yeah, in this era of, you know, huge franchise, uh, comic book type movies, it was, it was a nice moment. You know, it was nice to be reminded that like a movie can make you feel that way again. 
And um, yeah, so yeah, maybe I, this. I, I I don't remember. I think it's probably been since Manchester by the Sea that a movie made me either both feel and think the way that this one did. So I mean, it was it was definitely a both <laughs> and. I mean, it's an emotional movie, but not in an emotionally manipulative way because those movies don't make me feel anything besides annoyed. Yeah. Um, but but it but it's also it made me think. You know, I, afterwards I just was sort of sitting, kind of pondering and processing through things because mm-hmm. it's such an unconventional story or or way of telling the story and yeah i mean if, if one of those comes out a year it feels like just an amazing sort of transcendent victorious yeah. ex, uh, you know experience to encounter it <laughs> yeah exactly no i i totally agree man um and maybe there's maybe there's not much more to say about this but uh if you haven't seen A Star is Born, you should see it. I think anyone who's sort of enamored with slash addicted to fame, which honestly is probably a lot of guys in our tribe. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people would say it out loud, but I think, you know, a lot of guys, you know, and 10, 15 years ago, it was the blogosphere. Now it's social media. But, you know, I think a lot of the, the, the people that we follow on social media pastorally or, or Christian celebrity wise, you, you do it so that you can dream about the fame for yourself one day and, um, you know, watch the movie, watch it, watch it with an eye yeah, towards just sanctified um, ego. Yeah. All of that. It's sanctified ego. That's right. Um, interesting stuff, Piper. Let's, uh, let's stay in the ego space for a minute and, uh, um, let's, that, that was maybe a clumsy segue and maybe one that I'll regret, but, uh, I don't know. They, I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a personality, and I, I have to say this personality is like Venn diagram wise, like barely a part of of what I would call our tribe. You know, this is this is a guy. He's got a mega church in the Chicago area. Um, you know, I've known this name for a while, but I, I really don't know much of anything about him or his church, um, except that I know there's there's minimal overlap with kind of. Um, the reformed superstar tribe has McDonald. It's James McDonald, right? I'm yeah, blanking on right. the first name. Uh, James McDonald. Has he, has he spoken at like some of our conferences, quote unquote? Oh yeah. What's his um, or not, not the super, super reformed ones like together for yeah. the gospel. Cause those, you know, they, they, they build high fences, but yeah. Um, the early gospel coalitions he was involved in. And then he, uh, he has sort of, he sort of progressively moved himself away from them. Um, he and Driscoll were kind of on the same track in a lot of ways where, Mm. uh, McDonald was, you know, aggressive personality, dynamic preacher, big, big church. Yeah. Driscoll sort of went to him as a mentor and there were some of us watching from the sidelines in this going, that's not going to, that is a disaster (laughs) waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think they both ended up influencing each other negatively in terms of sort of the running the church as a heavy handed CEO kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in both cases, what was <clears throat> confusing was that the, the message they were preaching was generally speaking, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, Dr- Driscoll put his foot in some things here and there, and I'm sure McDonald has as well, but in terms of just pretty powerful biblical preaching, McDonald's <laughs> got decades under his belt of doing that really well. But like leadership, personality, ego, church growth wise, uh, yeah. it, it, it's been what I would consider a downward slide. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and 
I, right. I, I think it's one, and we, we both communicated this off the air, like just looking at the McDonald arc, you know, you didn't have to be super prophetic to look at that and go, yeah, this is, this is probably not going to end in a great place. Um, and true to that, uh, his church is suing some bloggers. So some writers online, I'm, I'm not familiar with this blog, but um, you know, they wrote some, some challenging things apparently about, um, how McDonald runs his church and now McDonald is suing them, uh, which isn't, is a really interesting move. And I think that's with the few remaining minutes we have, that's probably what we want to talk about. Just the, the propriety, I guess, or how it looks to the world of, you know, this mega church pastor who's ostensibly very successful suing, um, these bloggers. So yeah, what, what do you yeah, make of this? It's like two or three bloggers and a freelancer. Knows. Well, to, to clarify, the they started the blog specifically to record they what they perceive as the failings of James McDonald and Harvest uh, Bible Chapel. So I mean, it, it's like okay. it's like a takedown so it's not like, blog. Yeah, it's a takedown blog, which is a thing that um, you know we've seen some of over the over the past decade. Yeah. And um, when, when they started it, it was kind of under the auspices of. We've tried to address this to the church leadership and have essentially been either shut down or kicked out or, mm-hmm. you know, it was not received well. And again, it's this is these people's version of a story. So, you know, we're not here yeah. as reporters, clearly. No, nobody would mistake us for that. Just trying to give the context. <laughs> yeah. but, but everything they did, it, so the, the website was called The Elephant's Debt, which is uh-huh. a play on The Elephant Room, which is a thing that McDonald started, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10 years ago. and. Sure. uh and then the the millions of dollars of debt that Harvest had taken on um, to expand campuses and things like that. Mm. And then leadership issues and character issues amongst leadership and, and all of these different things. And they sort of folded it all into this blog. And then yeah. apparently there's a freelance journalist who who had reported some of that same stuff, maybe for Christianity Today or something like that. And so, yeah, they're, they're all being sued by Harvest now for um, – the claim being that something like 2,000 people left the church because of this website, which mm. meant, you know, with that, there's a financial implication and there's a reputation damage. There's all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, man. What do we think of, what do we think of takedown blogging and lawsuits, I guess, in light of Matthew 18? I, I, I guess you can make the... Yeah, or like the Beatitudes. Or the Beatitudes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and maybe... In a in a totally kind of grace giving environment, you make the you make the assumption that you know these takedown bloggers tried to you know address this stuff personally with McDonald and were rebuffed or um, I don't know. There's lots of assumptions that you make before you get to like I think the answer here is to start a takedown blog. You know um, what what do you think of that? Yeah, I I, I mean as a general rule. Hey, the Bible's pretty clear. Believers shouldn't sue believers. Yeah. You know, they. It, it, I think it, I think it's in one of Paul's letters where he basically mm-hmm. says, "You guys have taken this to the courts, and look at the witness you are to the world. You really should have just settled this amongst yourselves quietly, right. with you know, amongst church leadership, with the grace of Christ." Now that has been abused by church leaders who then don't take things to the law that they should, like child abuse, for example, or sure. sexual abuse. Sure. But this is speaking specifically of lawsuits. So, I mean, I I think it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, 
Now, I could see suing to recoup measurable damages in yeah. in a different instance. You know, right. like if a former employee has embezzled funds or something like that, you know, sort of a, mm-hmm. a suing to recoup a loss. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a financial transaction. That's not yeah. a defamation lawsuit or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I this whole thing seems to be born out of ego to me, where yeah. uh, ego started the whole thing, probably on both sides, where sure. there was there was ego involved in the decisions that frustrated these bloggers. There's ego by the bloggers to feel like we have an obligation to blow this thing up. Yeah, and then neither side will stand down. Like we're back to we're back to the OK Corral. Except yeah. internet version now, and it's yeah. It, it if anybody remembers the story of the OK Corral, it was a bloodbath where most people died. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Yeah, I think you know, internet OK Corral may be even worse than like you know, Fay Artie Hipster OK Corral. But um, yeah, I, I look at situations like this pipe, and I just go, "Come, Lord Jesus!" You know, this is like to me, obviously being on the outside of it. Just one of the most hopeless things imaginable. Yeah, you it, know, it kills me because you look at it and you go, "All right, guys, who wins?" That's like, right. If you win seven million dollars, yeah, Jesus loses, the church yeah. loses, your reputation loses, these bloggers lose. It, they're, they're so sort of hyper focused on the offense, yeah, that they can't see. I mean, it it feels a little bit like. If we decided to get in a nuclear war with North Korea because they offended us, yeah, like, yeah. Now they're they're offensive. They're they were threatening whatever. But look at the damage that's being done here. Nobody yeah. wins if this happens. Now that's an extreme example, but sure, it that's it's so asinine. Mm-hmm. It would mm-hmm. be so easy to just just ignore it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you can't forgive. That's between you and God. Mm-hmm. But you can ignore. You can pretend it yeah. didn't happen. You can handle these things. You can just not handle these things. I mean, and mm-hmm. I, one of the things I'm thankful for about my dad is the way that he has handled, you know, just hateful people over the years. Yeah. Which is if it's a person with whom he has a relationship, he addresses it privately. Personally. Yeah. yeah. Goes to yeah. them, phone call, in person, email, whatever it is. If, yep. he, if he's going to address it publicly, he goes to them first and even asks their permission. And I, right. I know of multiple instances where that's happened. Yeah. Or if it's somebody he doesn't know, it, he just treats it like it, it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. And and I look at that and I go, you know who wins when that happens? Everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, that's right. Now, he has to absorb the the insult. But if yeah. you you know if you have confidence in in your ministry in your faithfulness and whatever, then the insult is just sort of a well, they are wrong and yeah. And I have good people around me who are saying it's okay. That, that's a false statement or whatever. And I just – this is so – yeah, it is disheartening because because Harvest is going to lose. Christian Witness is going to lose. Somebody's going to lose a lawsuit, which means there's going to yeah. be a lot of expense involved. Yeah. And, and, the, and everybody's already lost because this thing has dragged on for like seven years now. Yeah. Yeah. No, tough situation, man, all the way around and – I mean, I think on the on the level of a star is born by way of a, a last statement of sorts, uh, because I know we both got to we've got to hop out and get to our next meetings. You know, it just makes me really grateful that my pastor doesn't want to be famous. You know, there's no sort of 
there's no public persona there that he's trying to balance with his private ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that just decomplicates things so much. I mean, there's not even like a a Twitter persona that he's maintaining, you know. Um, he keeps it really lo-fi and, um, and man, it just, it seems to uncomplicate things. That's, that's not to say that there's not issues within our church, but, um, you know, you can, you can take the very large issue of a famous person's public persona and just put it on the back burner. And, uh, and man, I'm grateful for that. Um, yeah, good, good stuff this morning, Pipe. Um, really enjoyed chopping it up with you about A Star is Born. Again, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, we had one very uh, important and divisive topic uh, here this morning that we didn't uh, get to, that we weren't able to get to because of time constraints. We will get to that in another episode. And uh, we have done what we often do, Pipe, which is wander to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.